Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Caught Offside with Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney. Oh, yes, caught offside, just outside of New York City, and from an apartment in Brooklyn, New York, Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney. What's up, brother? Uh, feeling old, Andrew. Feeling really old. Yeah. Um, had a great Thanksgiving, went for a kick about Thanksgiving morning, and it was only a couple of days after I played a game, and I just still felt so stiff, hard to move everything. And then the weekend, I noticed AC Milan are blooding some new players. And when I say blooding new players and younger players, 15-year-old. Yeah. Francesco Camarda comes off the bench. Now, he scored something like 450 goals in like 82 games at the U15 level. So, yeah, maybe he's maybe he's worth a look. But the fact that that's happening at all is kind of, yeah, it's scary. Like, I often think to myself, I watch um, What We Do in the Shadows, the comedy show about vampires. And, uh, and I was like, if I was a vampire, what would I be a vampire of? And I would literally just be a single-use vampire. I would fly into someone's house, some young person's house, and I would take their knees. That's all I want. I don't want anything else. Nothing else. Just their knees. I would, I would somehow remove their knees and, and uh, give myself better knees. The implication being that you're just a couple good knees away from what exactly? No, just to be able to keep playing at the same, like, just keep playing. It's not a, a level away from what? Okay. Nothing. I just want to keep playing. And it's it's even hard to do to do the other things I used to be able to do now. So even, even a few months ago. So yeah, that's what I'm feeling. And so thanks AC Milan for that. Well, the passage of time gets us all. Yeah. Yeah. You gave up though. You gave up early. Let's be honest. Well, I'd be a shoulder vampire. That would be my, that would be my vampiric need. Uh, what a show. What a show we have coming up for you today, coming off of the uh, the Thanksgiving holiday, of course, here in the United States. It was a, boy, I thought it was a really busy weekend of soccer. I mean, I guess they all are, but I suppose MLS reverting back to the postseason format that we all enjoy with a lot of controversy, a lot of interesting things, uh, a couple really interesting ends 
to seasons that now a couple hallmark clubs of the last few years enter a real sort of period of unknown. I, I think that there's a lot of interesting things that came out of this weekend, um, both for the winners and losers in uh, MLS's postseason. So we'll do some of that later in the pod. Uh, but JJ, we'll start where we always do or where we usually do. And that is, of course, the Premier League. Um, Manchester City and Liverpool. That was your big ticket item of the weekend. Very early. It's too, I'm sorry. I've said this before on the show. Big ga- big games are played at night. And that 7.30 a.m. kickoff for Man City-Liverpool, it's not eh, It's not right. That's got, you've got to be building up to that one. I don't like that one starting the day off, starting the whole weekend off. You build to a game like that. Uh, yeah. I mean, and I'm sure uh, Pep Guardiola and Jurgen Klopp would, would tend to agree with you. I uh, was in the pub at 7, seven o'clock for it. Nice. So got in early and um, was surprised by how many people turned up at the Monroe in Brooklyn for the game. Yeah, uh, fatherhood because, hasn't really changed you, has it? No. Um, I, but I was surprised by other people, especially on a holiday weekend. Uh, and um, it, it was a, it was it was a fine game, though. I th- I think yeah. it, it it the way it played out. Don't forget, you say it's a, you know, it's the seven thirty game for us. Twelve thirty is. You know, ever since the Premier League started, it's kind of synonymous with kind of big Saturday game. That's too you know, early. So- I don't like that either. I don't like how yeah. in the in the U.S. here, the Big Ten, with their deal with Fox, they play their biggest game at noon. Shouldn't be. That's got to be a nighttime yeah. kickoff. You build up to those big games. Yeah, but there's there's other reasons as well. Like in, in, in England, there was concerns and, uh, you know, through the 70s and 80s and 90s about people drinking all day towards to, to get to those games and the problems that that would ensue. Maybe those problems have changed. It's definitely a different atmosphere in the ground, so maybe those games could be pushed a bit. I mean, I get what you're saying. Well, whatever. Uh, it's not I, important. Eh, it was a weird game anyway. It was kind of... I don't know. Well, I've always people... referred to this as the fart-smelling derby because usually it ends with Klopp and Pep after some kind of thrilling draw embracing yeah. hugging laughing high-fiving how much better we are than everyone else this was not that in fact from a pure visual standpoint the ending no. was the complete opposite of them hugging and kissing it was it was pep pep jawing with darwin nunez yeah well no so it was interesting that uh darwin great distru- disruptor agent of chaos that he is <laughs> decides because because they have they have a nice embrace. It's not the it's definitely not the fart smelling one of two seasons ago yeah. where they played co- out consecutive two two draws and and in the last one at the Etihad they just embraced like it was look at we look what we are giving to the people and just like <laughs> hugged each other. But there was a nice embrace and Darwin typically as he does whether it's a chance on goal he came in to complicate things <laughs> and uh, <laughs> decided to break that up now. Uh, I've seen numerous reasons for why he got so snippy with Pep, but apparently it goes back to last season, the 4-1 defeat by City, where um, City scored a goal and Thimikas is, is running down the line after warming up or something, and he runs in front of a celebrating Pep Guardiola, Guardiola, who may have said, or is purported to have said, ah, oh, how did you like that goal, or did you like that goal? And apparently Nunez decided to return that volley today, uh, yesterday, Sorry, Saturday, and and say, did you like that goal? And suddenly there was a little bit of a back and forth between the two, and uh, and that was it. And then Pep Lenders come in and 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 did the usual, all right, stay away, friendly, and then stay away. Uh, very, very kind of, I don't know. 
I respect that from Nunez. Now yeah. it would it would have hit differently had they won. Right. I don't right. know if it carries quite but, the same weight in a draw, but it was a late well, goal. I, uh, I felt Liverpool road. weren't winning that. So there's there's often an exultation from scoring a goal when you don't think you're going to score one. It's like, yeah. And I, I didn't see Liverpool scoring one. And and that really took the wind out of, out of, out of City sails. So maybe, maybe that's part of it. Yeah. Uh, so in the end, it, it is 1-1. And I'm... I'm I'm thinking about who will come away from this one feeling better about that draw. And I think you're right. I think Liverpool will, um, you know, city, I guess city and Spurs were, were probably the only two teams near the top of the table that come out of this weekend, not really feeling good about the way things played out with city now relinquishing that top spot. Um, you know, it's a home game. They don't get all three points. That's really not territory that they're ever familiar with whenever they're playing at home. Whenever they're playing at all, they expect to win. But especially at home, um, giving away the late lead the way that they did, uh, I, I suppose it would be Liverpool that would that would feel better about this. They keep pace with Manchester City. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's that's probably who would see this as the win. Yeah, I, th- I think it was a case, you know... I, I could have seen City winning that 2-0 and they didn't. So I felt I felt good about the point. I'll take that point. Um so I'm I my opinion is split. Because I like to I like to listen and, and, and hear what other people are thinking more so than I used to. I used to just have this is how I feel, therefore this is how it is. So um John McKenzie from T4 Football, he tweeted this. This will be an unpopular opinion, but I felt that game showed how far Liverpool still are off City's level. They caused very few problems for City, either in build-up or out of possession, which is obviously fine away at the Etihad, but previous title-challenging Liverpool sides much more evenly matched, in my opinion. I think that's fair. I don't think... This wasn't the barnstorming, God, how do you separate these teams? They both caused each other so many problems, evenness of previous bouts. And I do feel City are ahead of Liverpool, but that that may not ultimately decide the title. You know, it may be what Liverpool can do against everybody else, and and make sure, make sure they can. Uh, the, the draw number is already too high for me. <laughs> I can't. You know, it's too much already. But but that's kind of that's kind of where I'm at. And then on the other side, the flip side, I'm getting this a lot. Here's a Liverpool account, Liverpool supporters account, on Twitter, and I do feel this a little bit too. This is from B. At NTXZO, one point off the top with City, Newcastle, Spurs and Chelsea away, all done before the 1st of December. Game on, game on. And that's like, that's a vibe. That's a feeling that's, it's okay to take out of this game too. Um, Like the game itself, I was constantly, well, certainly in the first half, I thought Liverpool were better than the second half. In the first half, Liverpool just seemed out, outnumbered in midfield. That there was always like, if you look at the the average game position of Manchester City players, it was narrow and it was bunched, and it was uh, always a, you know it was hard to get things going. Liverpool seemed to dwell on the ball a lot. City would win it back, which is classic Guardiola. Like, let's get this. If we lose it, if we don't have it, let's get it back as quick as possible. Um, like. First principles, Guardiola, you could say. And then the ball would go out to Doku, and I'm like, oh, I don't, don't like this. 
I don't like this. I mean, Doku, you know, he didn't tear it up, but he gave you more than enough uh, reminders of what a quality player he is in the game without without truly crushing Liverpool. Well, without crushing Liverpool at all. It was a 1-1 draw in the end, JJ. Um, but I felt City were just better in that regard. And Liverpool were came into it more in the second half without, again, giving us that vintage Liverpool from, from two seasons ago. Um, point, I think I just feel good about that result in and of itself. I'm, I'm split between the two, the two positions, Andrew. Okay. Um, that's fair. The big moments of the game, obviously Holland scoring, uh, becomes the fastest player in Premier League history to 50 goals. Uh, that one will bother Liverpool just the way that that one played out. Allison slipping on the kick, mm. but even after that, I mean, there's still work to be done. And look, Nathan Ake is a really good player. I like him a lot, and he fits what City want to do, want, want those players to do very well. But he should not be coasting through the midfield the way that he was, past no. Sabazlai and really past Trent Alexander-Arnold like that, Trent in particular. I mean, his effort just looks so half-hearted. And once Ake is past him, it's all opened up for him. Uh, and Holland is there, and, and Holland is, is usually going to It's a nice turn and finish. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that that's the kind of goal that's – you know, City had to do well with it, but it's a little bit of a self-inflicted one from Liverpool to allow that to happen. Boy, you really got the full Trent experience on Saturday, didn't you? I mean, I thought, I know your take on Doku, I see what you're saying. I thought Doku was was the center of a lot of what Manchester City wanted to do, and I thought he played I didn't pretty say well. He di- I didn't say he wasn't. Okay. I, said, I, I literally said he was, but I just don't think, maybe... Maybe the way you'd see it was, hey, you got lucky. He didn't I thought complete. he was really dangerous in this game. Oh, absolutely. Oh, God. Please don't don't let anyone leave with the impression that I didn't think he was dangerous. What I'm saying is the net result was 1-1. So he, he like the damage that could have been inflicted wasn't. All right. I, I guess that's, yes. Then I, then I do agree with that. I felt like he was, he was kind of giving Trent fits out on that side. He went past him a bunch of times. Played in a lot of balls. Well, where McAllister. Just... I mean, if you're talking about weak attempts, for for one of the opportunities City had, I think it was, yeah, it was in the second half. I mean, McAllister's chasing back, and he just he, he just absolutely cleans him, just goes straight by him. Um, no, he was he was very very good. Uh, I mean, even Trent, like Trent, you you did see the full gamut. Trent popping up in the box, which I thought was an excellent goal. Well, that's what I'm really? saying is that's why it's the full experience because yeah. you got defensive Trent which is sometimes worrisome and then you but then you see oh that's right this is why he's a must start because he can do that and you can see why uh, he is now an Adidas athlete um, announced over the weekend by wearing uh, Adidas Predator boots with the throwback tongue which looked looked very very good and uh, there was a whole campaign Instagram campaign I've seen videos and stuff so he's left Under Armour and he's now an, uh, an Adidas or Adidas athlete, which kind of interesting to me because um, it reminded me when Predator first launched their boots, they were really excited. They were the prototypes. And it was the days before social media where you could see goals immediately or, and every game wasn't on TV. And Paul Ince was the player they had the boots. So Craig Johnson was the designer of of of, of this revolutionary new boot. And he gets, a, he gets a phone call, said, watch match of the day tonight. Uh, Paul Ince scored for Man United and they're like, yes, oh my God, let's see how the boot, because the boot's going to make the ball more powerful. It's going to cause swerve, those ridges, everything. It was a header. (laughs) (laughs) 
So I'll tell you, Trent scoring that goal and scoring it in those boots, I I would love to see Ad, uh, the the Adidas sales for that because I'd say they'd be through the roof. Well, you're uh, helping. That's yeah. Oh, geez, I saw them. when I saw him take a corner with them. I'm like, oh, they they look really good. You he can't be an under. No disrespect to Under Armour. Under Armour, they, they make fine gear, and I have lots of their stuff, but it's not synonymous with with soccer. It just isn't. You couldn't be wearing Under Armour boots and be able to strike a ball like him. No, it's got to be. It's got to be one of the big boys. Uh, the disallowed goal for Manchester City. So huh. <laughs> I'll tell you what. With with that being disallowed, it does it does go to show the the way in which keepers are just treated differently than everyone else out there. Because absolutely, because to me that was. That is far less than remember the Joe Linton contact with Gabrielle in the Newcastle oh, come on. This from was, a couple of weeks ago. Like and, and that was and that goal was allowed. Like this was far less than that. There was a gentle was caress of the shoulder. Andy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean so I, I, I so I'm in a bar I'm in a bar and I uh you know, full of Liverpool's borders and I'm like, guys, this is we this is so soft. It's just incredible. You can't touch them. Yeah. I don't want to go back to the days where they were pile driven into the net. But you've been you you have long been a proponent though of goalkeepers being treated a little bit more closely to everyone else out there. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Because there was it there was definitely corrections that needed to be made. We we all remember Schumacher and Batista. <laughs> the goalkeeper comes out and like just cleans out the the player and you know, that's not that shouldn't be allowed. Goalkeepers shouldn't be able to do that. Equally, they shouldn't be driven into the net like in some games, like the, you know the abuse that they did used to get. But those that's decades ago. Yeah, they've been a protected species for far too long, far too long. And you can you see the problem is you can't assess. There's no way to assess force. So that hand on the shoulder, it's hard to say if that impedes Allison getting his hands up. My argument in the bar, I was shouted down. It was quite vicious. You should never, ever make a point against your team. <laughs> I said, uh, I said, you know, the the thing was, oh, he, look, he's, he's holding his arm down. I'm like, how? He gets both of, his, both of his hands above his head. What happens is he lets the ball through his hands. Um, I'm, I look, I'm delighted the decision went. But they are protected and they're allowed inflict, like I said, baddest on. Maybe the most extreme example, but they're allowed to inflict absolute violence on others. <laughs> but right. the, you're, you're saying let's let's get them off the endangered species list. They're thriving, all right. They, I've got on. a whole herd of them that have moved in in my backyard. There's goalkeepers running around all over the place. They don't need to be endangered anymore. No, there's goalkeepers, and they're now tearing up our lawns. Uh, you know, they're getting hit by cars at night. And all I'm saying is, yeah, they're beautiful. Yeah, they're gorgeous to watch. But let's take a few of them out. <laughs> Uh, last bit on this kind of bigger picture from the Manchester City perspective. So I was looking back over their last seven Premier League matches. They've won three, they've drawn two, and they've lost two. That's not really City as we know them. Is there a uh, is there a lessening of the City fear factor going on here? I mean, I don't know. It's too early to tell. <laughs> well, I'll say this be, as as a person. They need to run like this. They need to run like this in February or March. We know what they do. We know they click into gear and they, they are still look how good Bernardo Silva was at the weekend. Like Gundogan's gone. I get I you know, they've signed 75 center backs. Um, you know, John Stones missing, uh Kevin De Bruyne missing. 
understand all that, get all that. They're still a potent side, a really potent side. And and to me, they're still favorites for the title. So I I I don't wanna I don't wanna say too much about this, um, Andrew. Uh the fear fat factor settling down too early, my friend. Too early. Yeah. We can. Well, say they... I'll say this as as a person whose team plays them next in the Premier League. Uh, speaking for my own self, the fear factor is still very much there. I would. I would it, imagine it's, it's a be. game. It's a game that I fear quite a bit. Um, yeah, I, I lied. I I said one last thing. I, this is the real one last thing. Jack Grealish not playing in this now. Oh yeah, you saw what I tweeted, right? I did, but I was confused by it because. You said he needs to find a new club, but yep. he was ruled out through illness. They said he was vomiting. They said John Stones was sick too. He was on the bench at least. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was to find a new club. Okay. <laughs> I so, mean, and that's based on what Doku did. It, uh, there was one argument from Keith Costigan that I saw where he's like, uh, as good as Doku is, he makes City predictable. Uh, um, I don't know about that. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I don't know that I that's agree with like, that either. It's like if I stand on a train tracks and a train is hurtling towards me, I'm like, yeah, this is pretty predictable. Train's still going to go through me. You know, there can be, how do I stop the train? There's predictable things. And I, I don't, I don't see that as, and if anything, if there's a game that he's occupying that amount of, of uh, ball and, and, and danger and, and they, a team somehow devises, a way to shut him down on that side that just opens it up for everybody else at, uh, you know in in that city attack i i just i can't follow with that logic and he goes past people and he goes past people with pace and and grealish isn't grealish isn't like that much as we love him and we do love him um grealish is a fine footballer but he's not he's just not that well he's a little different and, he's different than doke i, are I don't you starting think him in a, do you think he would have started i i don't and I think that that's right. why his illness was almost a convenient out because right now, I mean, look, there's other huge games that city are going to play. They're arsenal games. Um, and he but, posted pictures of himself training on Instagram. Yeah, like, I like, don't know when they were from, maybe they were a couple of days before, maybe the sickness was the night before, not sure, but those pictures were up. And I, I don't know if that was some kind of message. Hey, I'm, 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 I'm actually all right. Or I'm, here I well, am. I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna choose to believe them when they say he couldn't go because he was vomiting in the. No, in the I, I I believe that too. I also believe he needs to go somewhere else. This is like he doesn't always start the big games, right? And this is right now. This is the biggest game that they have currently. He's 28, and, like, and he's so, the most expensive English footballer, or was the most expensive? He's, is he still the most expensive English footballer? I don't know. Um, he's got to play, and I don't think he would have. They probably would not have. And it's more it's all the more glaring when the game is that important. We'll see this week. They've got Champions League action. We'll see if he's back in the squad for that. But City Liverpool, if he's not starting that, yeah, that's that's worrisome. Uh let's move on now to the team that has now jumped Manchester City, and that is Arsenal. Um as they win one nil over the weekend against Brentford. We've crossed over the third of the way through the season point, JJ. It's Arsenal who are top. Um, Kai Havertz, we, we talked earlier this season, Declan Rice scored a late goal to win it for city. That was a big moment for him. It kind of on that, on that sort of price tag, you can breathe a little bit. Okay. I think I have the people behind me now. Kai Havertz, maybe this was his moment scoring a, an important winner to take Arsenal at the top of the table, a header, great ball played into him from Saka. Um, and so it felt like, I mean, look, we are, 
we are two huge Kai Havertz skeptics, have been for for years now, I would say. Even when things were quote unquote good for him at Chelsea, I don't we we were never really that fond of him as as a player. We didn't really know what he did. Um you but this do. was but but this felt important for him to be able to get a goal like that. And you saw Mikel Arteta afterwards drag them over to the away end so the fans could sing his name. I mean, they're Arsenal clearly know the narrative around this player, and they're trying as hard as they can to make him feel comfortable. But also the, oh, Arsenal, Arsenal are the football club that spent 16 million on him based on what? Like uh, Champions League final goal. All right, okay. Um and and the true value of this player is yet to be seen for Arsenal because there'll be a lot of people like me who told you they needed to get another forward, that they don't have enough of Gabriel Jesus, that, I mean, the stats show that they don't have enough of Nketiah. By the way, Nketiah, he would have got the glare. I'm sure he did get the glare. I it, it, they, The camera panned to him. When uh, he so took the shot like a, instead of passing? Yeah, the 3v2, or was it yeah. the 4v3, whatever it was, and Arsenal had numbers up. I don't know, this was that nil-nil. And he's just cut it on. It's a weak effort. Um, yeah, he's definitely getting the glare. And I'm sure he did. But we all we did, we we just saw his reaction. Um, Arsenal weren't good. They weren't good really at all. Um, but they won the game. And it was so important that they did that. Um, I'm still not convinced uh, about them. But that was that's a big win. That's a good, that's a really good three points. There's, I don't want to be uh, constantly harping on, on my, on my, what will be my concerns about Arsenal long term? But that that is that is a big big win at a difficult place. Yeah, well, it's just an interesting thing because here, like here we are with Arsenal top of the table, and we're all sort of still like, I don't think we've seen the best of them. That's that's good, right? That that could be the case for them, unless we it, think that this is just what they're going to be, and eventually well, things think will our normalize. Fear is that, yeah, I think our fear is that it's not functioning, that there's something not functioning. Um, but they're top. And, and, yeah, I know. What do you want me to say? <laughs> well, that I agree. Uh, I agree. A- Amy Lawrence was writing about them in the Athletic. Um, she said this. She said Arsenal look like they're struggling to make that difficult second album. They've gone in a mystifying yep. new direction, and getting into it is taking a, a bit of doing. And yet, Such here they are analogy. leading. Here they are leading the Premier League on merit. And for those last few elating minutes at Brentford. They showed Mikel Arteta the qualities to make him purr about how much he adores his team. Yeah. I mean, it's all that there, but again, just, I just have concerns, but I don't want to keep going on about it because I, I it's, it's November 27th and uh, they don't give titles out, Andrew, in November on November 27th. Um, it, it, what, what did you think of Ramsdale's reintroduction into so, footballing life? Yeah, through the annoying rules of the Premier League, uh, David Raya could not play in this game um, against his his parent club, although it does sound like he is now readying uh, a permanent deal with Arsenal. Oh yeah, you um, you were getting crushed that you because uh, I yeah because I kept referring to him as being uh, an Arsenal signee, which he technically was not yet. I was fine um, with the things you were saying. <laughs> thank you. There's one guy in particular who hates my effing guts because I couldn't get because I kept saying that. Yeah, I know, and it winds them up. And sometimes I keep saying things because I know it winds them up. Yeah. Um. <laughs> um. It was funny the Brentford fans. They were brilliant, uh, uh, Ramza. Uh, David Rea, you're just a David Rea. Yeah, that would probably get to him. Well, Wolf, he had a moment. I mean, he look, he mo- was he was bailed out. Don't you? There's part of me. I think like the so. Ramsdale has an absolute horror moment with the ball at his feet, and he gives it away. And 
uh, Declan Rice clears one off the line that was that was really impressive, and and uh, Rice was perfectly placed for it. I almost think that that's worth that that Declan Rice should get half a goal for that. If you if you save a goal in that way off the line like that, I, I'll give you half a goal credit at the end oh, of the season. If I were his agent, I would. I, if I were an agent what? of a player, I'd keep track of stuff like that because that um, that the value of that is you've that's like scoring a goal. The importance of that, and he boy did he bail Ramsdale out, and Ramsdale knew it. Yeah, that was Ramsdale didn't need that. Now you saw when it, look he gets a clean sheet. Got, sorry, Andrew, they've got goal bonuses or win bonuses and stuff. I give my win bonus to to uh, Declan Rice. If, if you're Aaron Ramsdale, yeah. Like that, that would absolutely make sense to me. Yeah, um, I'm like, and then later Zinchenko also cleared one off the line. I mean, Arsenal were living; it was they were living on the edge in this one. I would say if Ramsdale was looking to make the point that uh-uh, this is my job, uh, I would say that that point was not made. No, that point wasn't made. Yeah. Um, he did make it. I think he made it one fairly good save in the second half, but generally. He had an admission on a podcast, and I can't find where I wrote the quote, so I'm, I have to paraphrase. Mm-hmm. Ramsdale was talking to someone about his nerves and how to calm himself or to get into the game. He has to, you know, he does, you know, the way he talks to the crowd, he turns around, he, he kind of winds them all up. He has to have that interaction before he can focus in on the game. It was a I was, frightening, frightening admission. I was listening to Matt Turner on Kicking It, um, podcast and they they were talking about how goalkeepers are notoriously weird people and turner was saying that he himself is actually not weird he's he's not a weird guy and maybe that actually makes him weird in the world of goalkeepers and they asked him okay well who are the who are the really weird ones that you've been around i forget the first one that he said but he said aaron ramsdale is also one of the weirdest people he's ever been around just like how fired up like the way in in which he gets fired up and worked up and like matt turner said he's weird he said he said he really liked him a lot. They had a great relationship. Keepers, but he said they're all all a little bit, aren't they? Yeah. I can't think of what like Petr Cech might be the only one I can think is kind of, you know, bland. He was bland. And he went into f- football administration afterwards. Yeah. Vandersar maybe also. I'm trying to think of other keepers. Vandersar uh I know you name any of them. They they're all weird. The, the lunatic German that was at Arsenal. Which Lehman? Oh, Jens Lehman. Jens Lehman, absolute weirdo, oddball. Yeah, <laughs> uh, look, yeah. look at even um in in our own kind of vicinity, uh, Jorge Campos, a frustrated, a frustrated surfer slash striker. Like all he wanted to do was get out the field and up front to the point that he forced the LA Galaxy to make, to allow him to play up front for a game. He's an oddball. Yeah. Um. There was yeah. a guy with mad eyes. He was a Swedish goalkeeper. He used to be the Swedish national goalkeeper. Um, kind of uh, blanking on his name, but just he used to do the, do this thing, Andrew, where he would go to you know that the 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 scooped throw, yeah, like a lacrosse throw across that the, that the keeper does. He goes to throw that. He used to pretend to throw it and he would pass it into his other hand and bring it round the back. Mm. Yeah, I Fancy. He, I, I'm, I'm not sure what that is. I, I guess it can send a defense going one way. If you if no. you can get feels like a little unnecessary, action. but okay. <laughs> all I wanted him to do was to just fire it behind him into the net. That's all I wanted. <laughs> uh let's see. So Arsenal top of the table. Let's continue now. Um and JJ very quietly 
So since the start of October, Manchester United have lost just once in the league, and that was to City. I know. It's unbelievable. They are the form side. Yeah, it's very strange. Now, it's strange. It's odd. And if you don't have to watch them, you're like, they've got to be one of the best teams in Europe now. And and there was a little bit in that in, of that in this game as well. The 3-0 scoreline is not necessarily accurate as to what I thought of this game, but we'll get to that in a sec because <laughs> why why even delay? Don't. JJ, it was it was a burst of light from the heavens. It's it's the goal of the season. If if we get a better goal this year than what uh, how Gar- will we? Than what Garnacho gave us in this game, then I will weep. I will cry. I'll come on this podcast and I'll continue to cry because it will be such such a, a revelation of a moment. This is the goal of the season. I don't think you can top it. I know we debate all the time. What's your favorite type of goal? Is it the Maisie run? Is it the blast from 30 yards out? We can all, whatever we think, we can all agree. We can all have common ground on goals like this. This was ridiculous. It was utterly, utterly stunning. It's such a good goal. And I... I be, because the bicycle is such a rarity, you, you you just go into the into the into the annals of your mind, and you you can pick out the bicycles and the comparisons. And obviously, Wayne Rooney against Manchester City in the Derby at Old Trafford. Oh, it's wild how similar they were. Oh, uh, mm, okay. Garnacho's is better. Is better. It's appreciably better. Further out, at an angle, reaching behind him more. Remember with Rooney's. Uh, the nanny cross takes a deflection off the back of, of a defender, which Rooney talked about himself. That actually makes it sit up for him a little bit. So the ball's not coming at the same pace as Dallow's cross, which is not a good cross from Garnacho. This is this is a, a necessity being the mother of invention. This is the only thing he can do with it, really. And he just executes it so well. It's It made me, I mean, you know, it's a Manchester United goal, but it gave me the horn. Yeah, like oh, it really yeah. did. Of course, Absolute, you love the sport. Just, oh, it's so good. Um, yeah, and it's better than and better than Rooney's. Although, if you want to like, so some of the animals were saying, "Well, hang on, there's context." Yeah, definitely, the context of 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 Rooney in the Derby is pretty big. But but let's put the context here. Like Everton were, that was such an atmosphere at Goodison. Never has there been a collection of people who have who are just feel so utterly wronged after their club has done a wrong technically they all held up those banners with the Premier League Lion logo on it and corrupt written underneath it like they were up for this and in comes Manchester United who despite their form it's, they don't hold the same kind of fear you know a bad Everton team bet Manchester United under Frank Lampard the season before last so uh, there's a sense you know there's a sense of of how would you put it uh, anticipation, uh, anger. It's very loud. And this piece of absolute skill sucks the life out of the whole stadium. That's it. It's such a good goal. It's so awe-inspiring that it ends the game there for Everton. They do nothing, like nothing. They just lollop around in a stupor for the next hour. And United don't even have to be that good. They just have to be efficient. And they were, and they win the game. It's... um. Can we hear the can we of hear course. the commentary? Here's we, what we it sounded hear. like. Here, here's Peter Drury's call of it. Fellow for Garnacho! Oh wow! Oh wow! That is one of the great goals in front of a stunned Gladys Street. 
special beyond special. And uh, and and for those of you who there is a bit of jury fatigue out there. Um, people think there's too much that he's waiting for for goals so he can go into you know his latest variation on Manolas, you know, blah, 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 the one that made him fam- super famous. Uh, that's not that. That's pure reaction. What else can you say other than wow? Um, I thought it was a great call. And I love um, Lee Dixon. At, at, at one point, I guess they had said in his ear that VAR was taking a look at something. And he's, don't you <laughs> he dare. Said, don't you dare. Don't you even no, think you about can't. it. You can't. It's, it's a truly special goal. It's one we'll remember. It's one, although there's so much football now, that like sometimes like stuff that happened a year ago that was amazing you're you're going oh yeah you know uh we've already forgotten Sarabia's brilliant goal against Tottenham uh, this was this <laughs> was true not all special. of us it, but yeah <laughs> it is the goal of the season it's one of the great premier league goals mm-hmm. is it the greatest bicycle kick i've ever seen in english football it is not it is not uh loftus road 1997 fa cup QPR versus Barnsley. Trevor Sinclair. Folks, go out and look it up. Trevor Sinclair, bicycle kick. He comes up really quickly. It's outside the bloody box. And he generates all that power from it. And there's no pace. Well, I won't say there's no pace on the cross, but at least with Dallow's, there was pace on it. Sinclair almost has to generate it all himself. It's a, it's a, it's a whipped, it's a nothing ball on the edge of the box, whipped up in the air, and he, he nails it. It's so good. So does so uh, d- does Zlatan's against England count as a bicycle? I mean, that was from yes. what, like forty five yards out. Yes, I mean, if we're talking in the in the Grand Pantheon, there's so many reasons that nothing will beat that one. He's heading out towards the t- the sideline yeah. when he hits that, and he. I mean, the goalkeeper's off the line, but he has no, he has, like, his, he has eyes in the back of his head to see where the goal is, and he can still do it, like. Um, now, look, I, I if, think we're... If context matters, um, this has, you know, we saw Ronaldo do this in a Champions League final. In fact, you saw Garnacho do the Ronaldo celebration afterwards, and Bruno, Bruno Fernandez hinted that, like, Garnacho's been waiting for a moment like this where he could do it because he watches so much Ronaldo film. Um, mm-hmm. Gareth Bale, I don't know if that was full bicycle, it wasn't full, but it was still very good. That was very, yeah. very good. So, you know, those were in Champions League finals. So if context matters, then th- some of those will be harder to top. But from a pure, you're right, from a pure technical standpoint, this one is right there with some of the best. It was it was really spectacular. And in terms of the Rooney comparisons, it's interesting because with that goal, Garnacho became the youngest United player to score at Goodison, passing Wayne, Wayne Rooney. Rooney. Yeah. Huh. Now, one thing, moving on from the goal, but talk more about the game. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to disagree with you that that goal ended the game and that Everton just was in a stupor for the well, next no, no, the stats minutes. Show, the, stats, the stats show that they were not in a stupor. They should have they scored. Also lost. No, they lost 3-0, but they should have hmm. scored multiple goals in the first half. I don't know how they didn't. In fact, I was going to come out and say the opposite, almost of what you said, that I was actually really surprised that that goal didn't break them, that they came back and they were – they were definitely the better team for for at least the rest of the first half. Well, but, well, here's the XG philosophy: the halftime XG, one point one five to Everton, yeah, zero point zero four to United. Like, <laughs> like, 
And even, I mean, at full time, the the XG it's narrow, but the XG is like, uh, um, hold on, I pull it up. Uh, Everton won the XG. Yeah, Everton yeah. two point five. Man United 2.2. When do you see that for a team that gets shut out 3-0? How often do you see them win the XG? It's crazy. I know. I just feel like with every goal that went in, their whole, their big moment for the protest, and and they're right to to voice their their concerns about everything going on. I think they have good grounds to do so. But with every little, like, it just killed them a little bit more and it killed the noise and it killed maybe it's not fair to say the players were in a stupor they weren't and again was this a great Manchester United performance no it was one of the great Manchester United goals but it was not a great Manchester United performance and the only thing I will say and because you know again no more than Arsenal and and some other teams I don't always want want to be pissing on people's chips but I would say um, they were at least Efficient and effective and rootless in the counterattack goals that they scored. That's who that's United, what I would you, say. Yeah, uh, yeah, I suppose. The Martial so. goal was very good. You know, yeah, I was going to talk about that one in a sec, but um, just just to put a bow on the Everton side of this. So this is from Opta Joe. Um, Everton have lost three games in the Premier League this season in which they had ten or at least ten or more shots than their opponent. The most yeah. of any team. That's unbelievable. Only one They're team really has not- done it twice. Chelsea's done that twice. Um, but they've got three games where they've outshot their opponent by at least 10 shots and lost. They're the weirdest team because they're they are bad, but they're not that bad. Right. In fact, they're 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 much less bad than they're than they than they show. Yeah. Than the results show. As, I, as, I agree. Um, uh so which is kind of to Dice's credit. But now it's everything now is just an, it doesn't really matter about performances. It's about everything's in the context of clawing back what's been taken from them and getting out of that relegation. I still think they will. I still think that they're, they're, they're too good in comparison to those teams around them. And in, even with the deduction, the points are still too close. I think that they'll, it's look, they'll be nervous, but I think that they'll, they'll get out of that, that uh, mire that they're in right now. Uh, Real quick on the other two goals, the, the penalty, I don't have much to say about it except this. Um, I know no one wants to hear this. No one wants to be that guy, but I'll, I'm glad. I'm happy to be that guy. <laughs> one day when VAR goes away, when we've shouted it down and we've, we've hated it to the point where it has to be destroyed, um, these are the ones where we'll say, boy, it would really be great if we had some kind of system, or if we had some kind of way, because that was such a penalty. And it would have been so wrong if not only was it not given, but Martial was ye- he was given a yellow for simulation. But But again, yeah. Yeah, it was definitely. This is why VAR exists. Yeah, but, is, but, is for moments like that. But, okay, but why can't that just be the one? Like, do you, would you put this in in the context of howler of a wrong decision? Oh yeah, definite penalty. Right. And a so guy use was it for that then. Use right. it for that. Right. I'm saying this is why it exists. We but, need it for stuff like this. But it doesn't exist for this. It exists for everything now. In fact, there's a a mad uh, article in the Times today. I haven't read it because I just. Ugh, the headline was so var to be extended. It's <laughs> it's uses to be extended. I'm like, oh, no! that is that is such a middle finger to everyone. Oh, <laughs> is it, the rage over it has been so so vehement and so loud. That is actually very funny. Don't and then that. the the third goal, uh, Martial, really nice. Love those little. I mean, it was a nice pass to him, but that little kind of soft little chip, kind of past the keeper. Really liked it. Uh, I wonder if you have someone like this in mind, JJ, 
every team I feel like has an opponent that they have a warped perception of for one reason or another. Like, for example, you're a Met fan. Like you weren't in the U.S. yet, but Met fans, they think Chipper Jones is Lou Gehrig. Now, Chipper Jones is still a Hall of Famer, but he's yeah, not Lou Gehrig. He, Met, he Met fans think things... he's, he's Lou Gehrig to Mets fans. Yeah. Oh I wonder if, if Everton fans sometimes think, like they sometimes look at Martial and they're just like, how's he not a lockdown first team player for United? He scored yeah. seven goals against Everton now. I know, but he's bad. Regularly bad. That's really what it comes <laughs> but, down to. But I'm he saying, drives but Everton United fans that, mental. But Everton fans don't see that side of him. They have a he drew a penalty in this game and he scored a goal. Like they have a warped perception of him. He's their Chipper yeah. Jones. Again, no offense to Chipper Jones. He's a legend. Um, I know, but there that, there is there there is always that player that kind of you're like, what? Oh, he's just a bane. Um, I, I mean, I, I I remember when Manchester United uh, turned up to. Uh, turned up with what's our what's the Uruguayan striker again my my brain Diego Forlan yeah and square Forlan struggling just absolutely I mean there was t-shirts football 365 were selling t-shirts that said I saw Forlan score you know this is the 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 funk he was in turns up to turns up Danfield scores a hat trick yeah there you go you know I actually have seen him score in person I went to the the Bernabeu for Real Madrid Atletico Madrid and he scored for Atletico um, unbelievable career outside of England. Really, really good career, and and Man internationally United. too. Yeah, fine player. Fine, what was fine it? Player. The twenty ten World Cup. He was unbelievable. Mm. Yeah, yeah. But we yeah, all he, remember he, him. He scored for Atletico. Care to guess who scored Real Madrid's equalizer? So Forlan era Raúl. No, although he played. Uh, no, it was Huntelar. Klasian Huntelar. Hey, hey. There yeah. you go. So there you go. Another I can have a T-shirt career. printed with with that. Um, actually, this Martial it brings me to a trivia question. I think you'll enjoy this one. This feels like a trivia I question. Won't. No, I think you will though. Uh, this is a stat that I've molded into a trivia question. It comes from Opta. So Martial and Marcus Rashford have scored in the same Premier League game seventeen times for Manchester United. That is the second most of any duo for the club. Can you name the one duo? that has scored in more games together than Martial and Rashford. York and Cole. No. No. They're not they're actually not in the top 5, which I would have I would have thought. Uh Rooney and Tevez? No, they're not either. Uh I don't think you're going to get this. Be- this is... best best in law. No, the Premier League era. Oh, okay, don't know. Yeah, see you don't care. You don't want to try. No, tell uh, me. Skulls and Van Nisselrooy, 19 oh. times. And then Martial Rashford with 17. Uh, Skulls and Giggs have done it 16 times. Ronaldo and Rooney did it 15. And then Berbatov and Rooney did it 14. Oh, there you go. Yeah. How about Skulls that? and Van Nisselrooy, yeah. They Martial were, and I mean, Rashford. Right there with... <laughs> Very so, interesting. I mean, I think that's a that's a compo- that's a length of time thing rather than a what important duo. I guess, but like, no, you're right. Like, no, no. When we're when we're going through the great United duos, like Scholes and Van Nistelrooy are amazing. We're getting pretty amazing. far down the list before we get to Rashford Martial. But I don't know. It's has Martial quietly had a better career than we're willing to give him for? Oh, stop! I, I, I need to. This. I want to hear from United fans on Martial. Oh no, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, we have to get through your Angel. All right. Um, 
Villa, they go to Spurs and they win. What was I mean? It was really the, announce, the announcers were going on and on about, it and they were right. It was a hugely entertaining two-one match. Fun, and I and you're going to get that when you have two teams trying to outdo themselves in terms of who can play the higher line. Like, felt like you're always going to get a thrilling match when that's the way both teams want to play. I mean, God, it was such Look at a our high wire line. act. Look at it. Unai Emery shouting, look at our high line. And then Ange's like, we're in the car park. Right. It won't end until each defensive line is in the other team's goal. No, it won't end <laughs> until they've left the country in opposite direction. <laughs> um, I laugh to hide my pain. Three straight losses for Tottenham. They are now outside of the top four. Meanwhile, Villa are in it. Um, for the first time after this many games since 2009. Wow. Um, the uh, On the Villa side first, because I have some Tottenham thoughts, as you would expect. But on the Villa side first, the, the equalizing goal. What a what a ball from Douglas Louise on that. Oh, my God. I mean, that was from real distance that he played that free kick in. And, like, it was – I mean, he couldn't have placed that any better. That was spectacular. And you see why right before half time. Well, I have a thought on that. So, look, I don't Tottenham, wanna... have, Tottenham have already had a, 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 a the two nil goal chalked off or offside. It's just oh, it's a we'll sick to that too. Look, I don't want to be sour grapes guy when we're talking about the Villa side of this, but boy, there's there's something that just stings a little extra when you're giving up a goal seven minutes into first half stoppage time. Oh. Like I know that there was a VAR review and an injury, but good lord, is it like real? Is this what we want? A goal seven minutes in the first half stoppage time? That I mean, look, it, it, Tottenham can benefit from those too, so you can't complain about it. It's just God. There's something that my brain is. I, I get it a little bit with the ends of games because teams are more likely to stall in the second half to try to, but. Is this what we want in first half? My brain is just not there yet. With no, all of first you, half all of you time. who are just like, like rule, rules guys. Let's get the laws right. Let's make sure everything is fair. Let's make sure everything is analyzed. We can't have a call against us. This is what you get. This is what you get. No, first half stoppage time. I think needs to be adjudicated differently because this is this feels a little. That's, but yeah, you know that. But anyway, you, second half. But you get that, and then like. Also, too, I mean, JJ Sun scored a hat trick of disallowed goals. Yeah. I mean, this was this was like Tottenham have had a couple now. The Wolves loss and this these are like uniquely frustrating losses to have that many goals chalked off. But again, Villa play a high line, and I'll give them credit. Boy, they played it. They played it extraordinarily well, and I think you have to give Unai Emery a lot of credit for that. I mean, those those goals were all rightly chalked off. And like they weren't particularly close. Like I'm not. There was no controversy. Just frustrating to think you've scored three times. Um, it's not like Spurs played badly in this. No, game. I thought they they played really good. Honestly, like yeah. I, I was going to talk a little more on Villa, but it, to get into the Spurs side of it, like I thought they. It's a weird thing because like I I thought they played really well. They created a ton of chances. I mean, Kulisevsky the the start of the game. Kulisevsky smashes the inside of the post. All the disallowed goals. I mean, Emmy Martinez made a couple unbelievable back-to-back saves late off Brennan Johnson. Who was the other? It, he had one that Martinez saved, and then it bounced back out. Was it Poro that he had to then get up and dive into the top corner? I mean, Tottenham played really well. So I, I don't know. Ultimately, I think it's kind of one of those things where I go back to my old 
like the point that I always make where yes, coaching matters and like Tottenham want to play a certain style, but you know me, I am a personnel guy and it's not a coincidence to me that Tottenham have now lost three straight while Madison, Van de Ven and Romero are out in this one. Bentoncourt got hurt early on the Matty Cash tackle. And like all of a sudden, JJ, this midfield, remember in the beginning of the season when I was like, boy, I, when these guys are all healthy, I don't know how they're going to do this. They don't have enough spots for, for all these really quality midfielders. Well, what I didn't take into account was the games where none of them would be healthy. They were without Madison, Basuma, Saar, Maynard Solomon, and then Bentacore got hurt early. All of them. So, yeah. like, personnel matters. I'm not, and I'm not trying to downplay Villa winning. That's a great win for them to go to North London and, and get three points there. I don't care who's on the field. Like, it's still, I'm not trying to, like, take anything away from Villa, but, like, come on. Personnel and players matter. Like, I don't really want to hear Ange ripping after this. People well, say, oh, this you, is why it you... can't work. Did you hear any good player? No, not really. I mean, I like sarcastic ones in Twitter mentions from Tottenham haters, but like, I don't really take those seriously. No, I thought Tottenham played well. They're just missing all their, all their best players. You know, like I think it is Ben Davies and and Emerson Royale are starting at at center back. These, those guys aren't center backs. Ben Davies, maybe a little, he plays every position, but, but like, that's not, that's not what they are. So, you know, like, now, where Ange can get himself in a little bit of trouble is when you start to see stats like this. Again, from Opta, they they point out Tottenham are um, only the fifth side in Premier League history to lose three consecutive games despite going 1-0 ahead in all three. Uh, the first since Leicester City in December of 2014. Well, That's where I he think, can get himself in some trouble. I He can, but I think, you know, he's got... Tottenham go ahead because of the system. So what you go ahead now and you you just fall back to your eighteen and you're and you're much more conservative. He doesn't play like that. He's not going to play like that. Right. I, I also think as well, we we identified before the season if they're going to struggle, we think they can't afford to miss out um, defensively. You know, they've got to be good. They have been good. The signings they've made have been good, and now they're injured. You know, so it, yeah. it's, it's it's just it's. Tottenham fans are going to have to take a little bit of pain. Their I, new, I agree. Uh, their new director of football has a big January coming up. A big January. What does what do Tottenham want to do? Do they want to seize on the momentum of the way Potts is playing, or um, Ange is playing? Excuse me. Mm-hmm. Get those players back in that they can get fit, but also bolster the squad in January to finish strong and finish um, where they felt they potentially could have before the injuries happened. See the boy the the January window. Here's the thing. Tottenham, I believe, have found their 11. I mean, there's there might be a couple, like when Richarlison is healthy, is he starting? Is Brennan Johnson? Like, you can debate a couple of those things. But for the most part, I think we have a good sense of what their 11 is. It's going to be a hard thing in January to convince the type of quality players that we're probably wanting or thinking that they need to convince to come in when those players know, well, when Romero and Van de Ven are healthy, I got no, I'm not, I got no shot. You know, like that's, that's going to be hard to do. What midfielder wants to go play at Spurs right now with with all all the guys they have there? But it's not that. It's more about, can we make a savvy sign in a guy who's in that age group where he thinks I can fight for my place here. I think I can establish myself here or I can. But but you're going to, I'm saying you're going to have a hard time convincing someone of that. Well, the other option is then you, you hope to get those guys out that are injured, get them back in January, February, and then go from there and hope and pray. 
Um, also not a great way of going no. about things. Yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe the thing to say is that the summer, I don't know. And just for summer. Okay, fine. It, 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 it is. But the second one is the, the second summer transfer window was the most important. I don't want to write off a season. I mean, my girlfriend was, Darcy came in and um, she was listening to the game. She was out doing a few things and she came in and just said, oh, the season's over. Well, uh, I'm not going to say that yet. I mean, look, I they, said, have city, I, yeah. they have city. Now, it depends what you, what did your, what constituted season in that sentence? Winning a title? Okay, yeah. But that was never, like, I didn't really ever think that was real. I think they can still battle for a Champions League place, especially if England's going to get a fifth spot, which could be in the, uh, could be likely this year. So, no, uh, nothing's over. Uh, and uh, by the way, I, I'm really, I'm really enjoying watching them for whatever that's worth. I mean, it's still frustrating to lose, but it's, I mean, God, JJ, how many, but that's games, the point. How I, many games last year after Conte ball were, did we come on the podcast and say, can't do it anymore. Unwatchable. unwatchable. Horrifying. And that's the, and that's, I think there is enough goodwill in the bank. There's enough understanding that, that this can be, um, this current storm can be weathered. Yeah. Um, last bit on this too. Ollie Watkins. What a great player. I mean, he had one goal also disallowed, um, really tight one immediately after Tottenham had scored would have been a hell of a response, but then he does eventually score the winner. And, you know, it's one of those where like, I watched it over and over and, and I want to find someone to be mad at from a Tottenham defending standpoint. You could maybe say Ben Davies, you could maybe say Royale, like Watkins kind of gets in between them, but Royale does make up the ground. Honestly, Watkins is a great player and it's one where I'm going to tip my cap to that guy. He settles it, turns, and fires it so quickly that, like, sometimes, yeah, he's a great striker. Like, he's capable of doing that. Uh, if you want to find someone to blame, I'm sure you can. Maybe I'm wrong. But sometimes I like to just look at a play and be like, that guy's great, and he just scored a great goal. What are you, you going to do? No, he's really proven his worth there. And and probably, probably, uh, maybe internationally he's going to get some... Some recognition? Does he suddenly oh. become serious option? Well, he's not. I mean, look what Harry Kane's doing right now. In I know, but like unit. a guy, like he, he'll I mean, get. A, he should get called up. But I mean, a, I don't, a guy off the bench. Oh yeah, yeah. You know? Okay. I mean, he's twenty seven now. It's now's the time. Yeah, uh, and he's and he deserves it. He's awesome. And look what he, he's look look what Villa are doing right now. They're fourth. Unai Emery. He is God. He is such a great coach. Um, and then finally, you mentioned him before, maybe a Freudian slip, I don't know, but Newcastle dismantled Chelsea and Potch was ticked. So I'll get to his quotes in a sec, but 4-1 is the final. Um, before we get to why he was so mad, I figured I'd just run through a couple of the goals here. So the first goal, um, boy, great moment for Lewis Miley, who's in you know Newcastle dealing with a lot of absences. So youngster Lewis Miley gets a chance. Nice assist. Um and, you know, I'm talking before, JJ, about Villa and Spurs and the importance of, like, the discipline of keeping a line defensively, a high line, whatever. But, like, Mark Kukurea on that goal, what do, what's he doing? Yeah. He loses all discipline. And then I love it when those guys, when he's the guy who then immediately throws his arm up in the air, oh, offside, offside. No, no, no. He's completely onside because you're playing the whole world onside. You, you did that. I mean, like, that's the... It was so weird to see uh, Isaac centrally or easy like centrally and just be able to just turn, just turn around, boot it into the net. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Um, so like you can feel like, cause Potch, he was, he was serving his suspension. So he's watching this from the stands. So like, 
if I saw Kukurea play everyone onside and then throw his arms up asking for offside, like I'd start to, it would start to build. My anger would build. Um, second goal for Newcastle header from Jamal, uh, Jamal LaSalle's boy, he's been there forever. He's seen all the versions of Newcastle. Um, yeah. It's really something, but like the header is great. The defending is, is poor. But I got to say, though, the ball from Anthony Gordon on that one. You know, I should say this about Anthony Gordon. I think that it's important. We do this. We go back and say things we've been wrong about. I was wrong. I was wrong about Anthony Gordon, both when Spurs were interested in him and then when Newcastle did, in fact, go out and and shell out the money that Everton wanted. I remember looking at that and thinking, I don't get it. I don't see it. I, I I, I, I was wrong. I was wrong. He, I think he, he's really good. He might be their best player. I haven't watched the all or nothing Newcastle yet, but I mean, I think the, the signing of Anthony Gordon is, is a, is a central piece to it. And at the time I'm like, why? Like based on what, yeah. where's the data here? But they obviously had the, I mean, he took his, his goal extremely well to kind of round everything off. Yeah. But I mean, the Reese James, the Reese James, like you can go through the goals all you want. Like, you you can't be the leader on the team and get yourself sent off like that. You just can't do it. This felt a little bit like uh, where Newcastle at home they can they can get up ahead of steam and momentum and they can blow teams away. Like we see we saw it earlier in the season against Aston Villa, where and we know Villa are a good side. Um, so I mean it's not like you know Newcastle had five shots on target and they scored four goals. I mean Chelsea had four shots on target themselves. Just, I, I don't know. I, I mean, Pochi can be angry all he wants. And I'm not saying that, you know, uh, you know, Chelsea have had a horrendous start to the season. But it's possible for teams to go to Newcastle and for these things to happen. It's not. Yeah, it's but not I think it's, them. but it's the way that it happened. Like, yeah. You know, it, it's like disciplined stuff. It's not necessarily. And look, I think Newcastle right now, you'd have to look at it and say, yeah, they're better than Chelsea. But like. The Kukurea thing. The Re- you're right to point out the Reese James stuff. That's your captain. Yeah, both I of those yellows. Both of those yellows are awful. Stupid. The Tiago Silva giveaway. Like this is all. This is silliness. This kind of stuff. By the way, it should have been worse. I mean, I know you said they had five shots on target and, and scored four goals, but like Joe Linton early in the game, he had. That's one of the misses of the season. Doesn't count as a shot on target, but it's a free header from two yards out. It's harder Which to miss we- that than to make it. We got to start compiling our misses of the season. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, that's that's one of them. Um, but Pot said afterwards, uh, "This was the worst game of our season so far. We were soft in every single challenge. We did not compete. We did not show we were playing for something important. That is what makes me angry and disappointed. We need to learn in these games. What makes me very, 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 very angry uh, because we have to show more personality and character. I mean, that's fair because because if you've watched Newcastle at all." under Eddie Howe they get stuck in they're physical they they want to get that crowd going at St. James's Park and you've got to match that and Chelsea didn't do that at all they they it was far too limp yeah four varies that's that's, that's angry now that's angry very 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 yeah I'm very very upset with you I'm very 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 upset with you that's, that's that was only three yeah this was I mean, four, four varies. When's the last time someone got a four varies with you? I, I I don't think anyone's ever got a four varies with me. No one's ever given me four varies. I'm very, 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 very. It's it's hard. It's not natural. Oh, it's, <laughs> it's like it doesn't feel right. It's like it's like after the third one, you're not speaking English anymore. 
<laughs> that is really weird. Um, one one final thing on this one. Um, I know it was a bad day for Chelsea pretty much all around, but I did want to point out Raheem Sterling is in a stretch right now where he's doing at least one thing per match that gets you out of your seat. Like he's he's in one of those stretches. That free kick that he scored was so good. And by the way, he's now got as many goals this season as he had all of last season, and it's November. So nice, um, nice little resurgence to his career. Yeah, and he's like European Championships around the corner. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What what are we thinking, Gareth? Yeah. Not a whole lot else I can do here. So help yeah. me out here, Gareth. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Uh, all right. Well, let's go ahead. We'll take a break. Uh, we'll be back on the other side. A um, little bit to talk about with obviously MLS's postseason and a legend of the sport who uh, passed away over the weekend. We will um, mention that as well. More caught offside still to come. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Oh. Back now on Caught Offside, you'll notice, Andrew, I use your rejoin. Your, oh, I couldn't think of doing it any other way. Yeah, um, I don't know how that happened. Yeah, it just became your thing now. Yeah. And, and and I'd feel uncomfortable doing any other any other version of it. I just had to go, oh, back now on Caught Offside. Um, I have to put that on a t-shirt. Second pod coming up this week. People need to look out for it. You're speaking of putting things on t-shirts. We will have our merch t-shirts, our our founders collection, if you want to call them, the very first March, we're going to drop. We're going to give you all the details on that podcast. We are pretty much ready to go, Andrew. I have a, have a few tweaks I want to make, and hopefully this will be a smooth and easy process for everyone. Um, yeah, and uh, just looking forward to to, uh, to finally doing it. Tell me about Looks it. Like... I can't wait to see these things. You said something that I hadn't really thought much about on the last pod that will be cool when like I want to. You're you're right. I want to see people wearing them. Like if some if if we're watching a game and they pan to the crowd for like reaction shots, and there's some dude in like a, a caught offside shirt. Well, like, I, was, I was thinking we should send a few a few ones to some of our uh, celebrity listeners or former listeners. Um, you know, there's a few people we know in the game that we probably should send a T-shirt to, right? Yeah, yeah. I I think if we're going to do that, I think it's more we have certain people that have helped this pod. Right. That I think Oh no, I th- those guys are getting their t-shirts anyway. Oh, okay. I was just saying okay. in terms of god, how dare you? You think Newman's not getting a t-shirt? Okay, there we go. I think yeah. Michael Bergman's not getting a t-shirt? Yep. yep. Come on. Yeah. Those right, guys good. are getting t-shirts 100%. I'm just thinking, you know, maybe some of the celebrity people we know. We don't know many, but we know a few. 
All right. I like where your head's at. That's marketing. Nice. Um, you know what people should also be getting, JJ, this holiday season, especially today is um, it's Cyber Monday. And so I believe at Manscaped, if you go, depending on when you're listening to this, but I think it's 25% off everything uh, on Cyber Monday at Manscaped. So you got you to gotta get over there because the holidays, they're approaching. Um, but what if I told you that the celebrations are starting early this year? Yes, it turns out the perfect gift does exist. And who else to bring it down your chimney than the leaders in below-the-waist grooming? That's right. Keep calm and let your balls jingle this season with Manscaped's brand-new Performance Package 5.0 Ultra, featuring the new Lawnmower 5.0. You can watch all your wishes and mistletoe kisses come true. Look nice when you're going naughty by going to manscaped.com. Use the code CAUGHTOFFSIDE for 20% off. And free shipping. Unwrap the gift of smoothness this season, JJ, with Manscaped. Like I said, I think today on Cyber Monday, I believe it's all 25% off. Um, so head over there and check it out because this is, I mean, this is this is your moment. If you're somebody, we've been talking about this product now for, I mean, going on what? Like almost nine months or so? It's been a while. Yeah. Um, so obviously, you know, you know what we think of it. And if you've kind of just been slow to do it, this is, the, the time is now. Now. Go do it now. Um just go to manscaped.com, 20% off and free shipping with the code caught offside. That's 20% off free shipping at manscaped.com. Use code caught offside. Uh, and like I said, today's Cyber Monday. I think it's 25% off. I can check the site, um, but I'm pretty sure. So, I mean, really, this is this is the time. It comes with the 5.0 Ultra Body Trimmer, the Weed Whacker 2.0 for nose and ear hair trimming. Um, there's skin safe technology. So I know these are sensitive areas that you're dealing with and you want the safest in technology, no more scissors, no more bloody messes in the shower, easy cleanups. It's all there for you at manscaped use code caught off side. So there you go. Cyber Monday. Get on it. Cyber Monday indeed. Yeah. Um, let's see, JJ, a lot, a lot happened in MLS over the weekend, which I have many thoughts on before Mm -hmm. we do that though. Um, I did want to mention that, uh, Terry Venables passed away after a long illness, over the weekend at age 80 mm. uh, and uh yeah. yeah he's he's something you know just reading more and more i mean obviously as a, a spurs fan he's someone that i'm very familiar with um but kind of reading more and more about him he's he's something you see less and less of these managers who were so highly successful with both in both a domestic club career as well as uh internationally um it's very interesting yeah um he had a uh, incredible colorful career played for Tottenham um had a, a very good professional career uh, then went into management with QPR famously then Barcelona back to Tottenham Hotspur took on the England job and then had several different jobs Leeds Middlesbrough the Australian national team um an unbelievable he's one of those people where just growing up watching football I I knew Terry Venables uh I just felt he would always be there he was just ever present, whether it was on TV doing punditry, uh, Tottenham manager. Um, and then, I mean, possibly England's outside of the current era of England, uh, their their greatest ever moment outside of 66 was uh, the European Championships in 1996, where they went all the way to the semifinal and should have beaten Germany in sudden death. Um, I mean, when I think about some of those chances and I, I think about his face and his grizzled determination on the sideline. Uh, he was an innovator. He was a manager who did things um, ahead of ahead of their time. Gary Lineker was talking on his podcast um, about how when he went to Barcelona under Venables, that Barcelona were pressing. 
way before Klopp or, or anybody else. Like, I mean, I know Jack Charlton did it at the international level with Ireland, but like pressing was a, a real, real part of what Barcelona wanted to do. There's that brilliant picture that I sent you of they've won the European Cup semi-final and they've, they've booked their place into the final and Venables is being held aloft um, uh, on the shoulders of the other coaches and there's a boy standing to the right and looking up in 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 awe and amazement, it's Barcelona's first European Cup final that they've they've gotten into, and it's uh, it's, it's Pep Guardiola. Incredible, yeah. There's a whole kind of linkage back to Barcelona. Most of the modern football we talk about now, there's like you talk about Belichick's coaching tree. Well, there's like a Venables, Cruyff, Barcelona coaching tree that has just has all these different um, branches of it. Um, players loved him. That's the big thing that I will always... Anybody who worked with him, I'm sure players that were dropped didn't love him, but you talk about anybody who... Alan Shearer, again on Lineker's podcast and the rest is football, talks about how he got him back scoring goals for England in uh, in 96 in the European Championships. Shearer had a fantastic uh, tournament. And just that Venables was a brilliant man-manager. He was excellent with players. And anyone who worked with him remembered him that way. And he seemed like a thoroughly nice guy. There was a, a kind of perception of him because he was in court, uh, particularly uh, surrounding business transactions involving Tottenham Hotspur, PLC. And I mean, it was the reason he left the England job was that he would be in court. He left the England job after one tournament, a tournament they didn't even have to qualify for. Um, um, and that was because he had to fight so many battles uh, he had upcoming court battles and cases like that because he had his fingers in many different pies. So it was just kind of a perception of him as this London Cockney wide boy. But he was a football man and he knew football well. And he was, um, I mean, I know you weren't a Tottenham supporter at the time. You were probably not even cognizant of what Tottenham Hotspur was. But I remember my first FA Cup final that I took proper notice of and and it was the, the 1991 mm. uh, Cup win. Des Walker own goal handed the cup and it was uh, Venables was manager of that Tottenham team. Um, and he managed some great players, some really great players. Uh, so yeah, it's it's terribly sad because the formative people you grow up watching football with uh, and that you notice and that you take note of and that are are just seem ever present, you think they're not going anywhere. You honestly do. I still yeah. see Terry Venables on the sideline in a white polo shirt managing England. That's how I see him. Yeah. Uh, so there you go. Terry Venables, uh, age 80, passes away. Um, you know, you forget too. So uh, even after England, um, he then went to Australia and had yeah. some measure of, I mean, they, now they wound up not, they wound up, wound up missing out on the 98 World Cup in devastating fashion. Uh, they threw away a lead and it's what allowed Iran in. And we all know how That's that played right. out with the U.S. Um, Here's Terry. <laughs> but, but, um, you know, he guided Australia to the uh, Confederations Cup final appearance in 1997, which yeah. you know, for Australia, who at that point was still kind of gaining a foothold. I mean, that what a huge moment that was for them um, to have reached that. So, yeah, he was he was great. He was uh, Jack Pittbrook posted his England and Barcelona teams were both very nearly great sides. He was an innovator at QPR. When mm-hmm. next will Barcelona appoint their manager from Loftus Road? And he was a larger-than-life figure at Tottenham, building a memorable team, the last Spurs side to win the FA Cup, which you mentioned in 91. Yeah. So, yeah, Terry Venables. And he had to manage Paul Gascoigne. Yeah, yeah. Probably a challenge, that, yeah. It was. Yeah. No, he was, uh, No, he was. He was a, like I said, a football man. And, um, 
yeah, it's it's very sad. Yeah. Uh, so Terry Venables, uh, 80 years old, passes away. Uh, let's see, JJ. No easy transition, but we'll uh, we'll go from that back here now to the United States, where uh, MLS, the conference semifinals, are now in the books. They are finished. Uh, back to the single elim format that we all really fell in love with um, and wish that it would just be that all the way through. We're back to that format. And it was, I mean, it was dramatic. There's no question about that. I'll go through each of these. I have a couple things on some, more on some than others. You, I mean, you stop me obviously whenever, whenever you want. So LAFC Seattle Sounders late last night, that one ended. Um, and, you know, I thought it was interesting, JJ. I was watching it thinking, especially in the second half, Boy, LAFC are really leaning into the role of villain was something that like really stood out to me. They they came out late yeah. at the start of the second half. Like the Sounders were just out there waiting. They come out late, the crowd is booing them. Then on top of that, then they huddle up. They all come back like they all go to their positions and then leave them to go back for a huddle to extend things even longer and allow the boos to really resonate even harder. You know, they were time-wasting early on. Maxime uh, Cripo had to be spoken to by the ref. He finally got a yellow. What a game he had, though. Well, we'll talk about him. He was unbelievable. Um, Ryan Hollingshead, he tried to, like, step in and block Stefan Fry's uh, goal kick that he was taking. Like, they were just, they were leaning in. They, I think they liked that role. Um, however, they did not play very well. And it's interesting that they could do that. They and, and go to a hostile environment and win. I mean, basically, this kind of, I mean, like you just said, Crapo, like when your man of the match is your keeper, that's not usually by design. <laughs> that's not oh. usually like you don't draw it up that way. Um, so what? this this kind of came down to like they defended the hell out of this one. They a, a chance fell to Boanga, who's the exact guy that LAFC wants their chances to fall to. And he's unbelievable, and he converted wow. on a really nice goal. And then, well, yeah, see, I, I, and they I, asked their keeper to do a lot. I have to take issue with a few things. We're, we, right. we were bat- we were battered over the head with the idea that Seattle were this were this um, excellent defensive side, which I mean, the statistics show from the regular season. Look where Buanga receives that ball, and look at how he is able to run all the way in on top of Stefan Fry to bury it home. That's just terrible defending. Great finish by him. Great run. Great pace. Can't allow that to happen. I asked, could, I, I suggested Seattle could be the team to stop Boanga. They weren't. They weren't. And on, on the flip side to that, you have, after three minutes, Chiellini trying to keep up with, I mean, that was, if ever, the, we're talking about the passage of time. Oh my God. Chiellini trying to run back against Jordan Morris was frightening. Well, he had and a cr- he had a weird game, Chiellini, to talk about him for a sec, because you're right. And Chirundolo talked about it afterwards, because you're right. When they were when the play was open, Chiellini can't do that anymore. And no. it almost cost them. But once once LAFC got that lead and they kind of changed the way they were playing and they were sitting back defending, Chirundolo said, I, I couldn't take him off. He was no, of course. His, his football IQ is so important. Um, you know, he, he was going on and on about it afterwards. So they like, still really value him. I know 100%. I get that. But like in the open field and some. Uh, do more of that if I'm Seattle. Get, isolate him more like that. They never. They just didn't. Um, a brilliant save by, by Crepo. And uh, maybe maybe not the finish Jordan Morris wanted. But um, I think on the balance of it, uh, Seattle will feel like this is one they left behind them. Well, the, uh, I, I saw Matt Doyle talking about this afterwards. And I, and I definitely agree with him. I think, you know, we were talking about a little before with Tottenham, how personnel matters. 
I think you're getting some of that with Seattle now. I think this is a, we're, we're witnessing in real time a transition happening. You know, as Ladero and Rui Diaz are being summoned off the bench to try to save the situation, they can't do it anymore. And, and sure enough, I mean, Ladero, both of them are, you know, Brian Schmetzer talked afterwards that like change is hard, but this is pro sports. Change has to happen. You know, they, they're not good. They're well, he would have said, come enough. on, guys, change is hard. You know, change is really hard. You got to do it, though. You got to change. They, do, I think that they're like, this is a transition thing happening here. And they're, they need new, young, vibrant talent because they're, they're lacking in that way. They're good enough. Like, they're good enough to be in this game, to be the two seed. But that next step right now, yeah, they, don't, they don't have the players for it. Um, definitely. So, you know. Nico Ladero said afterwards, I feel sad. Many years here with the club in the city, I feel sad. First, because we lost. I feel sad, too, because it was my last game in front of the beautiful fans in and in this beautiful city. I'm really sad, but that's life. How many I mean, sads is that? He, he's not it was as many varies. I'm very, 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 very sad. Yeah, um, could have just saved I mean, us some time with some good very use. He's one of the best players that the league has seen, one of the best signings that has ever been made in this league, a huge part of Seattle's success. Um and yeah, that was that was a tough end for him. I mean, look, I think like they they went to these stars to conjure up some some magic, and like we were talking about with Megan Rapino, who who found out playing for a club in that same city. Like, real life is not like a it's not a scripted drama. There aren't these happy endings, and you know Seattle has again found that out this time with their with the men's side, um, and it's LAFC who their title defense continues as they march on to the semis. Um, FC Cincinnati narrowly get past the union. And this one is going to be debated for years to come. The offside that wasn't, wasn't offside. So Jim Curtin said afterwards, um, he said, we have an iPad on the bench. Every player and every coach that saw it said, don't worry. It's offside. It's coming back. It's, It's also why we didn't have a substitution ready immediately. It was so clear to everybody that was telling me, um, I feel like this, this more than any call that I can remember, partially because of how close it was and, and partially because of the moment in which it occurred, this like this resurrects the debate in a big way in terms of what we want from VAR. Because MLS does not use the Hawkeye technology. They don't draw lines. They operate off of clear and obvious and that philosophy. Um, that if, if it is clear and obvious, you shouldn't need lines. Like It should be that simple. And I think in theory... I think this is what most of us want VAR to be. We don't necessarily yeah. want the molecular. You always talk about the molecular level of offside and it's wiping great goals off the board. The problem, however, is you can operate that way. That's fine. And I think that's good. I think that's what people want. But if VAR is limited to camera angles that don't give them a fair shot of accurately determining what clear and obvious is, then it makes you start to think, well, maybe we do just need this to be a black and white element of the game where you're either on or off, no matter how molecular it Do is. Do the automated offsides then that they have in the Champions League. Yeah, like because I think like I think their heart's in the right place with what they want VAR to be. But this one is tough because the angle, I think the more I've watched it, JJ, I think you might be right. And that's why in the end, that on the night, I was red hot. How has this happened to them? But I think the more I watch it, the angle is deceiving. But that's what makes this tricky in terms of if, if that's what you're going to use to determine clear and obvious, then they got to have, I don't know what the technology is, but they got to have a better way to, to to give them the angles they need to say that. Because this maybe one it's was easy, tough. Maybe it's easy for me. I have no skin in the game. So, uh, Henry Bushnell, my guy, he summed it up on Yahoo. 
Um, he said a better angle would probably show that Murphy's upper arm, the body part in question, because it can legally play the ball, is actually very close to level with Carranza's upper arm or right foot, though perhaps it's still slightly in front of it. But probably isn't the evidential standard that VARs must clear to overturn a call. They're only supposed to correct clear and obvious mistakes. So if the assistant referee had raised his flag to call Murphy offside on the field, that hypothetical call almost surely would have stood as well. But he didn't. The clear and obvious burden of proof fell to the VARs, and they decided not necessarily that Murphy was onside, only that they weren't sure he was offside. I think that I know it's a tough pill to swallow for Philly fans. I'm one of them. I think it I get it. I don't think it's a gross injustice. Maybe that makes me persona non grata among my own fan base right now, but that is how I feel. Um, In terms of, you know, like with the Sounders, bigger picture stuff, I do wonder if there's a little bit of end of era happening with the union too. And with them, at least with the Sounders, they got the most juice out of that squeeze. They won stuff. Mm -hmm. With the union, this this is really hard because you think about some of these losses. You have this one which again, I'm, I'm okay with it, but it's a controversial end to a season to give up a goal in stoppage time against the supporter shield winners. When you think when a lot of union fans are sure it was offside, you got a conference final at home that they wound up being forced to play with almost none of their starting 11 because of a COVID outbreak. You get an MLS cup final that you led in the 123rd minute and lost. Like mm. they, if this is the end of an era, they'll be good again. But like, you don't get many bites at the apple and they got theirs and they, they squandered some in, in weird ways that are tough to swallow. You know, Kai Wagner has likely played his last game for them. Um, Julian Carranza might be off to Europe. Olivia Mbazo's future is uncertain. He might be off to Europe. Um, Jack McGlynn. That's a huge one because God, if, if they if they need someone to kind of build a bridge between this version of the union to whatever the next one is going to be, he's it. Like you would you would look at him and Gazdag as the guys to usher in the next era, but he could be off to Europe. Bedoya is the weird one. That's the weird one. He's the heart and soul, the captain, and he might have played his last game, but not. But it's weird, JJ, because he wants to be back. Curtin desperately wants him back, but Ernst Tanner is the one who needs convincing. He's the one who matters here. And they they know it. Like, everyone knows that that's the case. I mean, what were the... They had some quotes after this game. Um, Bedoya said, I think I've earned a certain level of respect. And when you don't give that to me, it says a lot about people's character. I'll just leave it at that. He's not talking about Curtin. Curtin weighed in afterwards, too. He said, I think anywhere in the world, the head coach would have a say in what's up with his captain. I think there was a miscommunication for sure. So we'll see how that plays out. Huh. It's Tanner. Tanner, I don't think there's a miscommunication. I think I think Tanner does not want Bedoya back. Bedoya wants to be back. Curtin wants him back. And we're going to find out who wins here. And it's the kind of thing where you feel like one day when the book on this chapter of the union is written, you know, it, it, you, you call this one the beginning of the end. Because, like, this is how rifts form. This is how, like, damage between front office and coach becomes irreparable. If the coach wants his captain back and the front office says, nope, and Curtin has made it clear publicly, I mean, this is the kind of stuff that ends relationships. So maybe Alexi that's being Lala. dramatic, but I'm I'm keeping an eye on how this plays out with Bedoya. Well, Alexi Lalas got super dramatic, not about Bedoya, but about Curtin and Jim Curtin himself. 
I don't want to see Jim Curtin coach the Philadelphia Union anymore. It's not because he's not good. It's because I think he's too good. He's better than Philly. He's outgrown Philly. That's why Ooh. I wanted him for the U.S. men's national team. I feel like Ben Affleck's character in Goodwill Hunting. Now, this just could be Alexi's <laughs> do, doing the usual thing, the controversial stuff that he does. I, I, I mean, look, that that's a hard thing for a Union fan to hear. Now, look, we thought he was a legitimate candidate for the U.S. job. He said he. it seemed like he wanted it. He would have left, he said, for an assistant position um oh that's that's yeah he's too good for it ah, well we'll see where that goes but that's boy that's a tough one for the union and we'll see what they look like next year i don't know if they're they're back in the CONCACAF champions league which is important for them but yeah it's i don't know might be another transition kind of year like what the sounders are seeing um columbus crew go to orlando they win it two nil in extra time um Wild extra time. Christian Ramirez scores the go-ahead goal, then leaves to be with his wife, who's in labor. Uh, Crazy. You get a Cucho Hernandez goal from like midfield to seal it. I mean, pretty wild, wild final thirty minutes. Um, they looked like the class. Uh, well, no, I was going to say they looked like the class of the of of MLS right now. Or the crew looked like the best team in it, but I think uh, uh, FC Cincinnati are going to have something to say about that. I think so too. And now JJ, we get a hell is real derby. In the conference final. I hope this is wow. truly, 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 truly like something that sets this, this kind of, that sets this derby alight. You know, that makes it another, another thing that you can point to. Oh, well, you know, this is a, this is a serious derby. You want to fight. Too. You want a fight to happen in this game. I want, You're so, not I want it would add something. I want to see um, passion. Well, you'll get that, and I think this has all the ingredients to be in a, a classic. Just well, I think, like the way they play, both of these teams too. But even even that, it's kind of a fight for 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 the right. So, like Cincinnati have got their their origin story, which is very very cool. They see themselves as like a a proper club that came up from from below, uh, and and Columbus Crew are like they're an original side. They're they're they have like long historic standing in MLS so it's kind of a kind of a, a fight for who's more relevant now um so I mean that that in itself makes it intriguing I'll say this when when the save the crew movie is written boy it would be one hell of an ending if they wound up uh, winning an MLS cup shortly after that movement occurred it's all sure um it'd be also it'd be also hilarious if they were usurped by another team in their state well, there's a lot riding on this. And then finally, Ben Olsen. We were just talking about him. His bunch now went away from being back in the MLS Cup final uh, after a slim, very slim 1-0 win over Sporting KC. Another huge moment of controversy. Uh, Eric Sviachenko appeared to handle Daniel Shallowy's shot on the line. Um, Peter Vermees said I mean, afterwards, there, there's no doubt in my mind it's a handball. Actually, it, it's a handball and then a red card because it's stopping a goal-scoring situation. But unfortunately, they didn't call it. Um to me, handball, handball, one hundred percent. It's one hundred percent a handball. I don't know. Yeah. What, I don't know what the problem was. I don't know what the miss was. I would say that it's not even my big. It, it's one of the biggest defining moments of that game. The other one was um, uh, Shadow's shot in the in the second half when KC or Sporting KC are looking for for a way back into the game, and there's there's just a great piece of play down the left, and I think it's Russell hammers in the cross. And it pops up and I'm like, volley it. Either side of the goalkeeper, it doesn't even have to be that good of a connection. Hits it straight at the keeper. I don't think I don't think Sporting KC 
did enough to win the game, but I also think that they have every right to be aggrieved about what was a clear handball. Yeah, I, I think so too. I mean, you can debate like the, are the arms in the natural position? I don't know. He uh, uses his arm to make himself bigger on the line. Like, ah, <laughs> uh, handballs. We'll never, we'll never really know. That's a, I mean, that's a brutal way. That's a brutal way to have your season end. Um, it's a sickener. All right. Yeah. But props to the dynamo, this kind of Houston revolution, um, not new England revolution, like a revolution happening in soccer in Houston. Um, they're right on the doorstep now after their great runs in, in the earlier two thousands. Um, they're, they're looking to rekindle it again and it should be an interesting one between them and LAFC out West JJ. That's about all I got. That's about all I got. That's it. I should say the, the, the mad Swedish goalkeeper I was talking about was of course, Thomas Ravelli, who was the keeper um, on the Swedish team that finished third in the world cup in 94. Um, yeah. So just to give him his props, cause he was, he had a pretty pretty great career, and he played for the Tampa Bay Mutiny. Ooh, oh, yeah. wow, full circle! And I should say, actually, I just saw this actually before before we get out here. Uh, we all knew this was coming, but to make it official, uh, Lucho Acosta has been named MLS MVP. Fair enough, had to be no arguments be for him. me. Props to him, uh, JJ. That's it. That's all I got to you. I say, check you later, fun boy. I'll see you. Take care. You've been listening to the Caught Offside Soccer Podcast. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.